Yo, um, today on the connect, when I tell you we we got something special, man. Uh, we lined up two esteemed gentlemen. When I say they have prior report, they popped on the call and didn't know they would be on the same call today. Um, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Connect. We're here today with Mr. Anthony Jones, Mr. KJ Cook, always on the other side of the mic, my co-host D Moore. Everybody, what's good today? What's good, black men? Hey, Happy to be here, bro. Again, another episode, another dope. Uh, oh, shoot. Another dope opportunity to kick it. So let's get to it, man. Man, so today's episode, we, we got we got A. Jones, uh, current. Uh, what's your title, Anthony, to be exact? I'm serving as the Associate Dean for Diversity and Inclusion at Teal College, which is a small right. private liberal arts in uh, Western Pennsylvania. Good deal. KJ, tell us what it is exactly you do one more time, brother. Um, I'm a community outreach coordinator in the Office of the Attorney General for the state of Virginia. All right. So the, the unique thing about today's podcast and, and what's going to make it a little bit better is that everybody in here is connected to everybody in a certain way, right? KJ and Ant got VCU ties. Me and D got broad ties. D and KJ got Richmond VA ties. Um, D, KJ, and Ant got Richmond VA ties. And me on the loan with y'all from Kentucky. But it's all good, goddamn. It's all good. <laughs> nah, we work together. I got Kentucky roots in there too. Uh, we ain't gonna talk about those days. He's a bad influence in my life. I love him. I'm kidding. But all seriousness, you have um, today on the show four black men in pivotal positions around the country, uh, whether it's community development on KJ side, whether it's Ant on the DNI side, working at, a, at an institution of higher learning. Um, D on the on the community college side, working with K through 12 students and me on the higher education side. So when I say it's a wealth of knowledge in this room today, it's, it's a wealth of knowledge. And just to hire you black man on here today, let me say this, y'all kings, baby, y'all sit in positions that, that we probably shouldn't be in right now. And, and we're going to get into that in a, in a little second, because we all come from, let's say the word, what's the word, not so great backgrounds, right? The, the cities that we come from, neighborhoods that we had to navigate just to get to these positions so um i'm excited to hear hear what we got chopped up today what we will chop up and, and how this conversation is gonna go d how you feeling bro i'm i'm good man i'm excited you know what i'm saying i'm this has been a very uh busy week very hectic week um but i've been looking forward to this day this has been circled on my calendar like like uh, T.O. used to do back in the, his, his Eagles days, you know what I'm saying? Or or Ocho Cinco, you know what I'm saying? When he's going up against a good corner, bro. I just had to like, yo, I'm I'm excited. But yeah, I'm excited. Here we are. Most def, most def. So <laughs> we're going we gonna to start it off very simple, right? We go, we're going to bring in some some background work. So um, I want to start with Ant and KJ, man. Talk about their relationship. Like you popped on the call a second ago, Ant, and you saw KJ. What was that moment like? Because y'all haven't oh, saw yeah. each other in a little second, right? Yeah, I was excited, man. I and I, I, I remember you telling me uh, you you linked up with KJ through the podcast situation. Um, so me and KJ crossed the same year through Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. Um, in my opinion, the greatest fraternity ever created. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Uh, spring 14. So we just got cool through that process. He was in the uh, chapter across town. Um, but throughout the process, we we met each other and um, we just clicked. That actually was my line and his line, just vibe. And um, 
yeah, I mean, I guess that was that was history after that as far as the, the connections, hanging out, um, just really growing our relationship. Um, one thing that I really appreciate that I had the opportunity to help with and a thing that KJ is doing uh, or was doing, I'm not sure at this point, um, he was helping feed the homeless community in Richmond, Virginia, which um, that population is, is uh, pretty large, unfortunately. Um, and he, he, from my understanding, it was just a grassroots thing that he created, um, putting together sandwiches, uh, packages, and passing them out to uh, uh, the less fortunate uh, individuals who didn't have a, a place to, to live. Um, so with the uh, with my role at Virginia Commonwealth University, I was able to uh, work in conjunction with him as we were looking to do outreach in the community, um, um, just doing larger level community service programs. Um, so being a part of an I guess more so like a co-chair of that committee, um, I immediately thought of KJ and like, how can we take what you're doing, use our assets, uh, our resources rather, and, and just make this a bigger thing. Um, and we linked up and, and it was a great thing. And I think he continued to use the space um, for some time after that. Um, but then I ended up moving on um, not too long after, but I was happy that we were able to connect before um, I left that space. So um, love KJ to death, was happy to meet him. I'm happy to see him on on this on this uh, as a part of this conversation. Um, yeah, it's just happy to reconnect. KJ, you got your yep. man's on the other side of this line, man. What was it? Because <laughs> we didn't tell you we was bringing Ant tonight either. So what was that like popping on and seeing your guy, man? Man, happy to see him, man. Like he said, man, I haven't seen Ant, man, since he had like a little going away uh, mm -hmm. party a couple years ago, man. So just thinking about, you know, like good times, man. Like Ant, super humble. Like the way he's talking about how we started that program isn't how we isn't how it went. Um, <laughs> I, I was looking, I was looking for you know uh, a way to give back, and we was just fucking around, getting drunk, uh, kicking it. And I told him about my ideas, man. And you know, what I'm saying just having a conversation. I, I kept continuing going my my way, and then he just texted me. He's like, man, I got this space. You know, what I'm saying you can use it anytime you want, and you know through his name. Through you know, what I'm saying the represent the reputation he built at VCU, man. Ant left, you know, I don't know how long he's been gone, but we used that space up until this pandemic hit, man. Oh, you wow. know, off of the strength of us knowing him, you know, um, never had no issues, never had no problems. You know, what I'm saying like he he definitely you know threw me an alley hoop that we kept going, and you know, we've been able to feed you know damn near you know thirty thousand you know people in, in this with this program over these, you know, last five years. And none of that would be possible without it, you know. Um, the places I wanted to host it, the places I thought about hosting it, you know, turned me down or wanted some type of funding. And this was like, like you said, this was a grassroots effort. We had no money when we started this. And, um, you know, he got me to use a space on, you know, I don't know how familiar you guys are with VCU, man, but VCU charge you for every goddamn thing, man. <laughs> <laughs> Like they own the city of Richmond. You yeah, they, they really do. It ain't even downtown Richmond no more. It's, it's downtown VCU. Like yeah, for real. Yeah. Like move around this city without VCU getting some type of uh, financial gain from you. And Ant set it up so that you know, what I'm saying for the last five years, I haven't paid or we haven't paid VCU any type of money, and we've been able to give back and not just you know give back to the, the people of Richmond, but it's people from uh, it's students from VCU who've been able to you know get. Uh, community service hours, you know, people who've been able to get into grad school, get, uh, you know, get those type of looks that they traditionally wouldn't get or that weren't available, you know, prior to us doing this program. So, you know, it was very, 
you know, um, involved in this whole thing happening and continue to, to go on in his absence. You know, and that's, and that actually, you know, in itself, man, that's, that's amazing to be able to make that connection, um, but also to build something that sustains, right? So he was able to lend you, like he said, his resources that you tapped into, utilized it, and still was able to sustain that program, you know, for the past five years. Um, or whatnot. And it also, you know, just goes to say that connectivity, right? But also that mindset of, of KJ, man, he's one of those guys that, you know, even though I hadn't been home, I think I moved, I moved out of Richmond 2011. And of course, you know, me and KJ kept in touch throughout over the years. But, you know, in my time away, you know, every time I'm looking up, KJ got his hands in something, helping out the city and giving back to the city. And it makes so much sense when you think about this is the place that has raised me, has reared me, has guided me, has brought me to where I am, why not try to make it better? Especially because like we, you know how it is, KJ, folks complain all the time, it ain't nothing to do here, or the city don't care about its people or whatnot. And that's very true in, in a lot of instances, right? But why not show that we care about the city or we care about the people or give the people something to do? But KJ, man, he reached out, you know, in, in times of tragedy, helping out families, you know what I'm saying? Like with the, the scholarship for the young lady, um, that had lost her life or whatnot. And, you know what I'm saying, tapping in with that. And, you know what I'm saying, just like on, on, off the strength, gets nothing out of it, but just doing it for the sake of more so probably, I put myself in that shoes. What if that was me? Or what if that was my mom? I would want someone to assist in that way. And that's how KJ has moved. And he continues to move, man. So it's so dope to see. And I don't think I ever really told him that, but, you know, it's definitely inspirational and something I admire, you know what I'm saying? And one of those things was just like, that's my guy, man. He's, he's doing it, bro. He's doing it. And so to see that, it's just an ex, a further extension of who he is. You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah, appreciate it. A second that. A second that. So thinking about, you know, we, we talk about those humble beginnings, man. We all come from humble environments, right? And, and I, want, I want to start with this aspect. And you've ascended to top five cabinet position at a university. Yeah. Um, KJ, you you've ascended to attorney general's office. That that's huge. Um, what is it like navigating these these positions coming from the backgrounds that that we come from? Because it's a lot that that goes into one just persisting to get through that education piece, right? Because right? KJ, you say you were a non-traditional student. Um, yeah. You went to a private liberal arts school at first, playing ball, but you know shifted a little bit. Um, how has these journeys been? Because I think it's important to look back on where you came from. And, and I want to start in terms of navigating. And you're from Youngstown. Uh, when I think about Youngstown, you know, I didn't know Youngstown is, is as hard as it was, right? Uh, I definitely didn't know that. KJ, I didn't know Richmond was as, as tough as it was. So what is it like to navigate these environments? KJ, you now work in the city where you grew up on, on, a, on a huge level. And you work just about... 30 minutes from the crib. So what has this process been like? Um, I'm pretty sure, like, well, I can't speak to you guys, but at, at times, man, I get survivor's guilt. You know, sometimes I think about, like, man, like, why I made it. Like, I know people who are 10 times smarter than me, you know, more ambitious, you know, um, who didn't get the opportunities that I've been afforded. Um, and then, you know, you get imposter syndrome, you know, like, like, what, what am I doing here? Like, you know, like, how, how do I fit in with these people? When I'm, when I'm in meetings and I'm talking about, you know, the communities I come from and trying to serve this community, you know, 
so so many times they think I'm making excuses for the people that we're serving. It's like, nah, man, like this ain't no pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Like you know, you got bootstraps. You I'm know, saying, you ain't got no boots. <laughs> yeah, you know. So and, and when you're talking, and when you're when you're in those rooms and you're that voice, it, it's pressure, man, because you're fighting a system that you know, like right now we're going through all this reform. Like the whole system needs to be broken down and, and built back up, man, because there's so many laws, so many hurdles just for, you know, black men coming from where we come from to, or black people to make something of yourself. And um, I just think about, you know, like, you don't think about how tough it is when you're in it, man. You think this is just the reality for everyone. And then once you make it out, man, it's like, you try to go back and you try to tell these kids, I did this, I did that. But when you're in it, man, you don't think of it that way. You don't see it that way. And, you know, you hit that wall where, you know, I made it over and now I'm trying to throw something back but I can't make you take it the way I want you to take it because mm -hmm. you got to be ready to take it when, when it's that time. And the, you know, the pain sometimes and, and you not being ready, you know, man, I've lost, you know, I've lost countless friends, relatives, you know, young men who I've mentored to the system into the cemetery and no amount of success, you know, or me being in these positions makes up for that. You know, like when I say survivors, you know, man, like, real, you know, survivors get why I struggle, you know, um, one of my best friends came home maybe like a month ago and, you know, so I'm trying to look out for him, trying to give him some money. And I, I know what was the right amount to give him to not insult him, you know, like, and it wasn't so much of, you know, trying to just do it just to say I did it. Like I, I won't ever post him on Instagram or social media. Cause I don't, I don't think jail is a cool place to be, but at the same time, it's like, Man, I give him this man. Who's to say I ain't conspiracy to what he do with this? You know, like, cause he, he I mean, we, we know the system don't rehabilitate you. You know, like he's he's trying to, you know, find a way to, you know, make the next play. And I'm at the position where I can help him financially, but at the same time, it's like they're gonna tie my cash out to whatever he do, mm -hmm. you know, and, and the pain in that, man, like the the fear in that is like, man, I got a family to support, I got kids, mm -hmm. man, you know, and you know. You my man's, but at the same time, bro, like I got, I got a lot going on, and um, you know, so it's it's a lot, man. It's, I, I have tons of emotions, and I probably should sit down with, with a therapist or something one of these days. But you know, it, it's a, it's a lot, man, and you know, it ain't um, as glamorizing as it looks from the outside because being one of the few ain't really for me anyway. Being one of the few ain't ain't good, man. I want all my people to make it. You know, I want all my excel in life and i can't want more for them they want for themselves that's it you know but that's your hard to accept sometimes that's your real and what's your take coming from from yeah i agree completely with kj when he talk about uh survivor's guilt and imposter syndrome like and um, I'm, I'm about to i'm about to have my phd in like two weeks dr jones baby but the crazy part is like to hear stuff like that makes me feel a way though. Like I don't feel excitement about that. I feel like um, I feel guilty in some ways. Like yeah, man. It'd, be, it'd be like really hard for me to truth. Like I was telling my girl the other day, like it's gonna get really hard for me to get used to being called doctor. Mm. Like, because I'm like, again, I know people smarter than me. Like I know people who should have got it. I know people who, who got killed, who were on a much better path than I was. It's just like, you don't feel like you're supposed to have those things. Like. And I, I get upset with myself for feeling that way because I know I know I deserve it. Like 
coming from where we come from, like you, you work for, like you don't just, you ain't giving nothing. Like you, you, you building this thing from scraps. If you even got scraps, sometimes you just, you working with nothing to make something out of it. Like, so it's like, you deserve it, but why you feel so bad about it? It's like a, a daily battle that I go through. Um, but one thing I, I, I wanted to speak on, cause I, I feel like KJ touched on that part. So I want to hit this from a, a different angle. Um, growing up in Youngstown in the nineties was extremely hard. Like the first time I saw a gun, I was 11. It was pointed in my face. I got robbed, trick or treating. The first time I saw somebody get killed, I was 14. Dude got shot in the head, like right in front of us. And then it was just like, after that, it's just normal. You seeing people get shot or shot at, you with people getting shot or shot at. It's just like, this is a normal thing. So now you graduate, which I didn't expect to graduate. Um, I Like my life expectancy in my head was like, and which is, I'm like, this is horrible to, this is was normal to me. I didn't expect to see 21. Like that wasn't a real expectation. So then to be at 21 and about to graduate, it's like, well, damn, like, I guess like I moved the number up to like 25, like because 21 was like, whoa. So then it's like, all right, so now stuff is starting to work out for me as far as advancing in my career and actually getting an idea of actually what I want to do. Cause I mean, I was just winging it for the first three years of college, but then I started meeting people and actually getting involved and, and I started to get an idea of what direction I wanted to go. So now I'm starting to go that way. And now, and then I agree with KJ again, because you got dudes back home who you still love these dudes because they're your brothers. You grew up with them, but y'all values are starting to change. So it's now like, damn, I can't really, I can't really rock with you like that, but I'm with you. Like, and some cats will get it and some cats won't. So like the big eye opener for me, like when I went to school, I usually would just stay there because it wasn't the best idea to be back and forth like that. So I felt, I started to feel safe on campus. So I would just stay there. So Christmas break, stuff like that, you come home, of course you're kicking it, you're catching up with everybody. I can remember at least six times getting into full-fledged fights and I don't know what I'm fighting for because the cats that I'm fighting with were in the city still. So they got beefs that I don't know nothing about. I'm like, when I left, everybody was cool. Like, I don't even know what we fighting for. But I mean, you got to choose up and you got to fight and it just is what it is. But then I'm like, all right, man, I can't keep doing this. Like, I don't even know. I, I got, I'm a, I'm a, I got to play. I'm an athlete. I got practice. Like I can't be up here beat up and bruised up over some stuff that I don't even really know what happened. Like I have no context to this fight. Like cast is squaring up and you got to choose your side. So I'm like, my values are starting to change. You got to really keep that in the forefront. But then I'm like, all of those lessons that I learned growing up in the environment, like I was talking to some students a couple of weeks ago and they were talking about black excellence. And I gave my definition on what the, I think that is. I think the excellence piece for me is when I started to put education in my life and actually wanted to read and actually wanted to learn and actually wanted to evolve as, as far as the things that I was uh, being exposed to. And that black part is just that, the essence of where I grew up at and the things that I learned. And I feel like when I put those things together is when I, I accomplish my black excellence. So I'm like, Student came to me, um, this was a little bit ago. Um, he asked me, cause I was doing a diversity training and one of the students like said some crazy stuff and we just talked through it. We settled it, agreed to disagree, but it was a teachable moment for the entire class. He was like, man, I don't know how you kept your cool in that situation. Cause I would have flipped out. And I'm like, when you take the experiences that I've had, like literally having a gun in my face as a, before I was a teenager, this argument in this classroom don't rattle me at all. Like I'm not afraid of this by any means. Like, so now you put me in a boardroom. I remember 
fast talking myself into positions I probably shouldn't have been in. <laughs> you was meant to be there. It happened I'm, for a reason. I'm 24 as a director sitting in a room full of millionaires because this is a trustee meeting. And I'm navigating this room and like I got I got some of my coworkers who have been doing this who are nervous in this space. And I'm like, why am I afraid of anybody in this room? Like mm-hmm. I have no fear in this room. So I was trying to learn and I feel like I've gotten a lot better at that. It's taking those pieces that made me hard and made me uh um aggressive and made me angry and harnessing those those emotions to work in the space that I'm in now like sometimes you got to be a shark sometimes you got to be you got to play the game and I when you talk about playing that game to me that's the same game you play in the streets but the difference is you don't you probably ain't gonna die if you play it wrong (laughs) and to be honest some of the games that are played in in the more professional space are more cutthroat than anything I've ever experienced in the streets so it's like, I feel like the two spaces are kind of synonymous for me at this point in my life because I've learned to merge them. Um, and I, I remember, uh, Aaron, when you came on to speak with us and you were talking about um, code switching, I'm doing my best to just keep the switch up mm. and be who I am in all spaces, but then just understanding how to be who you are in that space. Like, so that's, um, when you talk about the upbringing and, and working up through the ranks, um, that is how I tied the two in. No, y'all, y'all hit on, you know, so much in, in regards to navigating a lot of those spaces and how to maneuver, you know, when you're in amongst different crowds and even, you know, in cold switching, right, where you have to kind of turn things up. I'll never forget one time um, uh, a hiring uh, manager. Before you go into code switching, kind of explain it a little bit for, for uh, our people that may not know what it is, right? So kind of give oh. a little glimpse of what our world looks like when we talk about code switching. Code switching. So I don't have the, the Webster's <laughs> definition. <laughs> <laughs> From what I know code switching to be is how we talking very informal, very regular, very natural. That's our regular selves. But when we get to work and we got to put on, you know what I'm saying, that, that customer service, that professional right, voice, right. you know what I'm saying, as we call it, that white voice, you know what I'm saying, that mom's, <laughs> talking, mom's talking to the cable company voice, you know what I'm saying, like that is the code switch and that's what you got to use, you know what I'm saying, in the workspace. Um, and, and so many times, right, we have to navigate that and we have to be very, like, it's, it's a very, very fine line, especially as even now as we've progressed and we're trying to tap more into bringing our full authentic selves to the table and not being, not, not necessarily scared, but not being impacted by whatever those, whatever the, the, the impact may be, I guess, in regards to that, like some, some people may not like it, but that's who I am, you know what I'm saying, this is who I am, so I'm bringing my full self unapologetically being me, you know, in regards to that and the importance behind that, right? Because you're stepping in a little bit more confidently, but also that representation, you may not know who's coming behind you or who's looking at you that is like, oh, if he can show up like this, if he can step into these spaces and navigate that way, then I know that I can also do it. Like, I know I also belong there. So like how you touched on imposter syndrome earlier, KJ, you belong, we belong. Those coming up behind us, they belong, you know what I'm saying? So we got to also have to find ways to combat that. What I was hitting at, (laughs) ultimately, before we got into that, was a lot of the things that you all have been taught 
were where you were very you were taught very informally right like you were taught that through your survival you were taught that through just your own navigation and once you got into certain spaces like you take little bits and pieces of what you've learned before you got into these spaces to kind of help you maneuver so if there's anything to do everything is a teachable moment and every lesson you know what i'm saying you're able to learn from so in moving within these spaces i know i'm long-winded as hell but in moving in these spaces right how are you able to i guess become that much more comfortable as you're reaching back if you're able to because like i know like you know in the beginning we talked about just the difficulties of navigating and that survivor's guilt and survivor's remorse but how do you move past you know what i'm saying feeling that way or what are, what are some ways that you're able to kind of cope a little bit better i guess you could say yeah, for me, it's been the, the results of it. Like, um, I was talking to a student yesterday, um, actually two of them, ironically, um, who hit me out of the blue um, to just kind of reflect on some of the conversations we had and how impactful they were, which I'm like, I, and I, I guess I have to agree with KJ. I, I, I live my life modestly. I don't really be looking like, oh, I'm helping and I'm doing Like, I don't know. Like, I'm just following my heart. It feel right. And I do it. Um, so I don't really even recognize the impact 90% of the time that I may have on somebody. Um, but those are the reminders to me for me when somebody gives me that that text message or, or shoots me a call like, hey, I just wanted to let you know that whatever we talked about meant something. So it's like, man, whatever I'm doing is working. And I'm gonna continue to do that. Um, and I, I do my best not to get knocked off balance by the things that's going on around me or the opinions of others. Um, and one, and one thing that I peep, like, our counterparts don't do that. Mm -hmm. We in the room with these white folks, they ain't adjusting for me. Ain't nobody taking the bass out of their voice because I'm in the room. Like, so it's like, just observing that and being in these spaces, I'm like, I want to live in that comfort too. Like, I shouldn't feel a way to walk in this room dressed however or or whatever. Like, if I, if I want to three-piece it up, if I want to be a little loud, to like, that's what I'm going to do. Because you have the comfort of doing that. Right. I, I just refuse to be in, in anybody's space and not be comfortable. Um, so it's like, I, I'm not going to dim my light so you can shine a little bit. Like, I'm just not going to do it. And, but that that's something that came with trial and error, with practice, with uh, um, conversations with mentors on, on how they carry things. It was like you said, like, I saw them do it. Now I can do it. And hopefully now that I'm doing this, somebody behind me will see it and they'll do it. That's and it's it. like, because I mean, oftentimes I'm in a room and I'm the only person that looked like me in there. So I'm like, it's important that I am who I am so they don't get expectations that people who look like me are supposed to be a certain way. So I, I just, I try to live by that and live in it. That's real. That's real. KJ, you got anything to uh, For me, man, it's really the youth, you know. Um, I, I became, you know, um, I, I didn't get the chance to, I didn't want to become what I saw. You know, I didn't have a mentor growing up. I didn't have, you know, a father growing up. So for me, man, it was, you know, chasing, like, I didn't want to be like anybody I saw growing up. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't go to jail. You know, I couldn't, you know, uh, I mean, I didn't want to die on, on the streets. Like, I wanted to, you know, be something. And I think what drives me is, it's not a lot of, you know, uh, me in the inner city where I come from. And I want to be that for these young men coming up. I want them to see that I still listen to the same music that they do, <laughs> wear the same, you know, sneakers, clothing that they do. Um, I still go to the same places. I still, you know, have the same core values that they do. 
you know, most of my core values, man, I, I developed, you know, at, a, at an early age and, you know, they've stuck with me and they've helped me navigate, you know, through adulthood, you know, and um, I want to show these kids, man, like, you don't got to change who you are, you know, you don't got to, you don't got to do none of these things that aren't you, that aren't from your heart, because, you know, if you make it being somebody else, man, you can never find happiness, you know, if you make it being who you are, man, that's, that's, that's freedom, and that's, you know, success that you can't define with a, with a dollar value, right. if I can be who I am, and I can wake up every day, and know that I'm impacting somebody else's life, that's what I do, you know, and I try to reach back to these kids, man, when I find out about scholarships, you know, when I find out about internships, anything that they can, anything that there is that can help them better their lives, man, that's, that's what gives me my motivation to keep going and, you know, uh, keeps me. That's real. That's real. And that's, you know, what it's supposed to look like, um, especially like you talked about uh, um, navigating, right. And, and drawing in on what you've been taught at an early age. And a lot of the things that, you know, were shown to you, you saw like, okay, I, I see this route. I see how it ends. I don't know how this other route ends. Thank you for checking out part one of this week's episode of The Connect. Be sure to follow us on IG and Twitter at The Connect Pod. Once again, that's IG and Twitter at The Connect Pod. You may also find us on SoundCloud, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. For all your questions, please email us. Our email address is theconnectpodcast at gmail.com. Once again, our email address is theconnectpodcast at gmail.com. And until next episode, get connected.